dear brothers and sisters in Christ, grace, mercy, and peace be to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. So, this was a hard sermon for me to write. Mostly because, I'm not going to lie to you, it wasn't probably finished until uh, Saturday morning. Because a lot of things have changed in the past week, it feels. A lot of new things are coming out. I mean, as you heard, the CDC says we don't need masks anymore on Monday to go into events. Which, for some people, say, thank you, God. And for some people, there's still some worry. For some, this will change many things. For some, this will change nothing at all. But then so more things happened this week that are concerning, alarming, and change things. Do I have to tell you what's been going on in the Ukraine? I think we all know at this point. But still, for some of us living here in America, we wake up every day, and it seems like the only repercussions of this conflict are the fact that gas prices are now almost over $4 a gallon. And for some, that changes things. For some, it doesn't change much at all. But I'm sure the people of Ukraine, everything has changed. Life goes on. The new day rises. And I had a hard time writing today's sermon. Because it was Transfiguration Sunday. A day of glory. A day where we as the church celebrate Christ. As he comes into his full glory, seen for an instant, before he goes to Jerusalem. And his disciples are there. But I have to wonder then, who is Jesus? The question on anyone's lips today. See, you've been watching the news and going through YouTube videos of the things that are happening around the world, and I've seen two primarily things. One makes me happy, and the other one makes me questioning. The first one that makes me happy is I see many people sending prayers to the people of Ukraine and the glory of God to them and be with them. That's wonderful. But then I also see many people saying that prayers are not enough. And where is God in all of this? Why is this happening? He is in control. But why? Who is God to do all of this? Who is God for these things to happen? For some of us today, nothing has changed. For some of us, many things have changed. Today is a day of transfiguration, or even in the Bible, things changed. Peter, James, and John were going up to the mountain with Jesus. Now, you have to understand that this is a very big event, because right before all of this, Peter just got done declaring rightfully through the Holy Spirit that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, the Most High. Peter said correctly. And Matthew, it goes into more details on this. Jesus even said, by this confession, Peter, I will build my church, that I am the Son of God, you are correct, the church we built on this confession. Well done. Now, he goes and he tells his disciples, and Luke records this as well, that he is the Son of God, the promised one from on high, the one who is going to make all things new. Oh, and guess what? I am going to die. It's kind of a 180 moment right there. 
You're expecting Jesus to come in glory and power, and all of a sudden, he's like, yeah, I'm going to die. The disciples are kind of confused by this. Matthew records that Peter would actually rebuke Jesus and tell Jesus, you're wrong, and Jesus will call Peter the devil, get behind me. And then he goes up to a mountaintop. Peter, James, and John go with Jesus, and they are going up on this mountain. It was probably a very long journey because on the, upon that mountaintop, they fall asleep. And while they were sleeping, Jesus' glory is shown. His face becomes shining and bright. His clothes become white as snow. The glory of God, the glory that is God, that was in and with the human flesh, was shown brightly, and the glory of God shone. And beside Jesus were the two prominent figures of the Old Testament, Moses and Elijah, standing upon the holy mountain of God. A more glorious vision there never was. For there, there was God. There were his prophets, and there was the message. And of course, Peter, James, and John woke up at this. They saw everything going on just as Moses and Elijah were leaving. And they saw their master burning bright in the white. They saw all these wonderful things, and they couldn't figure this out. Peter could only go rambling, saying, I want to make you guys tense. I want you guys to sleep uh, here so that we can pick your brain, that we can talk with you. That is good for us, right? And they still didn't get it. They saw Jesus, saw his glory, heard his teachings, understood him to be the Son of God, but they didn't know who he was. For a cloud enveloped them and proclaimed to them, This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. Listen to him. That's hard. It was, it's hard every time. In today's world, it's hard to listen to him. Where is he? Why is he silent? Why is God not speaking today as he did of old? Listen to him? Why should we? Who is this God who continues to let this world go on as it is? Listen to him. Who is this God who is going who has brought all of this unnecessary conflict and strife and let it run loose in the world. Listen to him. Well, why should we? Why should we listen to God? Who is this God that we even should do it? What good is he now? Why hasn't he solved the world issues? Destroying oppressors, conquering warmongers, striking down the wicked. Why isn't he helping us, helping me? Why hasn't he just come back already and made all of this mute anyway? The disciples had these questions. They saw the Messiah as one who would deliver them from Rome, who would establish them as mighty kings and generals of this land, who would establish Israel forever and make it the great nation once again. But the voice came from the cloud upon a mountain. This is my beloved son, my chosen one. Listen to him. 
it's actually very appropriate that the two people standing next to Jesus were Moses and Elijah, for they had trouble listening to God. You see, we read in Deuteronomy today in our Old Testament lesson that Moses did many great things. They praised Moses for the wonderful things that he did in Egypt and the wonderful signs that he did throughout the time in the wilderness. But Moses didn't listen to God one time. Yes, he listened to God and even pleaded for Israel. When he went to the God's holy mountain and received in the cloud the Ten Commandments, brought them down for the people of Israel, he listened to God then, but he didn't listen to God. Because when one day he did listen to God and he struck a rock and water poured forth from it, giving, giving life-giving water to the people of Israel in the desert. He listened to God then, but then he didn't listen to God. Because then he would go to another rock. And God would command Moses to speak this time to the rock, so that the water may come forth. So Moses went, saw the people gathered around him, saw the angry clamor, saw the hatred in their hearts. He was so scared, so he took his staff and he struck the rock, blaming all the time the people of Israel for his actions. And there he was doomed because he didn't trust God. He didn't listen to him. He knew who God was, and yet still he did not believe. He knew who God was, and yet he still did not understand. And so he wasn't allowed to go into the promised land. But it was very appropriate for Moses to speak to Christ. Then there was Elijah. He knew God. Elijah was one of the greatest prophets in Israel, in all of his history. He was the sole prophet in a land that was ruled in, by evil kings and evil queens. He was the last prophet of God when Baal and all of the Mesopotamian gods had sway over the people of Israel. And in the giant climactic battle between gods, he, Elijah, went up to Mount Carmel, another mountain where God's work is done, where the sacrifices were made both to Baal and to God. And while the prophets of Baal were cutting themselves and dancing around for hours and hours and hours and nothing ever happening, all the while Elijah is sitting there making fun of them, saying very inappropriate things about where their God might be right now. Trust me, if you actually want to go see some good one-liners, go to the, that message in Kings. It's some real zingers. And then, in one instant, Elijah said, Lord, receive this offering. And fire comes down from heaven, goes on this mountain, takes up the burnt offering. And then Elijah commands the people of Israel to take up arms, kill all the prophets of Baal, for the Lord is God, is good. He has listened to my prayers. He has given me strength. He has given me power. And yet he didn't listen to him. For the moment that the evil queen Jezebel came and wanted Elijah's head, Elijah did the most bravest thing. He stood his ground and quickly ran away. Left into the desert, saying to God, kill me now, kill me, for I am utterly hopeless and I am done with all of this. Listen to him. It's hard. 
But Moses did. He led his people into the promised land. Elijah did when he went to another mountain and he heard God not in fire, not in wind, not in thunderclaps, but in a low whisper. And they listened to God. These two men then came to Jesus. They asked him to prepare himself. For Jesus was preparing himself to die. The word here, departure, they were making him ready for his departure is actually the word exodus in Greek. They were preparing Jesus for his exodus, for our exodus. Our exodus from death to life, from sinners to saints, for those who are dead in our trespasses to alive in Christ. And the thing that would accomplish all of this was Christ's death. And so Moses and Elijah were preparing Jesus for just that. For the salvation of the world will come, not through strength of arms, not through the strength of oneself, but through one man's death. And salvation will come to the world when Christ, full of glory and power and honor, will go into Jerusalem, be denied, be forsaken, be whipped, be killed on the cross for us. And he will departure from this life into death so that sin and death may die once for all. For upon the cross of Christ, all things that were disgusting and terrible and putrid in this world were crucified and died with him. And so the exodus of, the, of sin's grasp on this world was made clear in Christ's death. And then by resurrecting him from the grave, by making him rise from the dead, from that wonderful exodus from death into life, Christ has declared that death is now no more. That the glory of God shines in this world. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The disciples could not understand any of this when they saw Jesus' glory. And so the cloud enveloped them and said, This is my beloved Son, my beloved Son, who came into this world to die for this world, who came into this world to live for you, who came in this world to be your Savior. That is who God is. That is what He will do. But listen to Him. We remember those words. Listen to Him. And we come here now into church. We sing our songs. We listen to God's Word. You're listening to me preaching right now, probably wondering when He's going to get to the end of it. Trust me, it's getting close. Don't worry. But I want you to listen to Him. In the days to come, I don't know what's going to happen. Things are not going to stay the same. They will change. Thanks be to God on that Transfiguration Sunday, things changed indeed. For God prepared Himself to go and to save us. Things have changed as we begin then our march in the Lenten season, our march with Christ to the cross of Calvary, where things will change for the entire world. But brothers and sisters in Christ, listen to Him. 
Listen to the Jesus who loves you. Listen to the Jesus who saves you. Listen to His words which speak to us this day from across history to across nations to across the whole world that will resound until the time He comes again. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, listen to Him. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, but as I give. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son so that anyone who believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God sent His Son into the world not to condemn the world, but to save it. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor devils, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all creation can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ our Lord. We remember, we hear, we listen to Him. Amen.